Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. I want to thank everybody for joining us online today. Can you put your hands together and welcome them? We are so appreciative of the fact that you're taking your time to join us for Activation Church Online. And if you live anywhere in the area, we want to invite you to join us one Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11 o'clock. And I believe that we are a great church family. We're friendly, we love people, and we want you to be apart. But if you have your Bible, we're going to start today in Psalm the 16th chapter. And I know many of you have already flipped over to James the first chapter and you don't have to turn to Psalm the 16th chapter, but there's something that I want to give to you today to lay a foundation for where we're going. So Psalm 16 verse 11 says that you talking about God, somebody said, this is about God. You make known to me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy. Somebody say the fullness. So he makes known to me the path of life and in his presence is the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. How many of you know God's not against pleasure? As a matter of fact, he is the creator and the source of ultimate satisfaction. He not only shows us how to live, he offers us life through Jesus Christ. He releases joy unspeakable, full of glory. He also gives us this pleasure. Somebody say God's the source. And any other source that we would look to in life is a counterfeit. See, God creates and Satan counterfeits. Are you following me so far? God is the only one who creates. Satan is not a creative being. He is actually created. So he does not have the ability to create anything. All he can do is take what God has created and distort it and pervert it and offer a counterfeit of what is real. So God says, I give you real life. Satan says, well, I can, I, I can show you something that caused you to live, give you some feelings. God says, I give you the fullness of joy. Satan counterfeits and says, well, I can give you something that looks like joy. God says, I can give you pleasure. Satan says, well, I can give you something that looks like pleasure. And what he does is he feeds us the counterfeit through deception with something called temptation. Somebody say temptation. Temptation woos us with the promise of satisfaction, but its end is devastation. That's something right there. The lips of temptation drip honey, but in the end she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, and all her pleasure turns into pain. How many of you can testify to that in your life? That there are things that the enemy has shown you. He's shown you the counterfeit. He said, hey, just come taste and see. And you taste and see, and the the pleasure is for a moment, but it's temporary. And the honey that tastes sweet in the beginning becomes very bitter to your life, and its end is destruction and pain. So let's talk about temptation this morning. Are you all ready for this? Now we're in James, the first chapter, verse 13, and we're going to have a lot of fun, and this is very practical, and this is for everyone. Say, this is for everyone. 
I don't want you to think that I'm just talking to the person next to you today. James 1.13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person, somebody say each. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Are you seeing this? Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Temptation is deception. Take a moment to really think about that. Temptation is deception. If you've ever been fishing before, you put something on the end of your line that's a lure. And what this lure does is it mimics what the fish thinks it needs. You drop something that looks like a worm, and it can even be an actual worm. It can be something that, that draws the fish to it. It's something that the fish desires, but there's actually a hook in it. And so what I want you to understand is the enemy, he does that to us. He lures us into taking the counterfeit gift over the actual good gift that God has made available. So let's back up a little bit. He's talking about temptation here. He says every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. Now let's plug in Psalm 16, 11. God shows us the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. So what the enemy does is he steps in and he tries to counterfeit what God has done for us and he tempts us with it by dropping it in front of us and it catches our attention and then we go after it. And the truth is most of the things that we are going after are actually not evil in their nature. They're actually gifts from God but we've perverted it or the enemy has perverted it through the way he has caused us to desire it. So God, God offers success, God offers security, God offers love, God offers acceptance, God, sex is from God. All these things are good, all these things are from God uh, and none of them are wrong or evil but the enemy perverts our desires and tempts us, watch this, he tempts us to bypass God's path, which leads to life, with what he is tempting us with. So our desire for success, which comes from God, tempts us to lie, tempts us to cheat, or still to get it. How many of you have seen people like that in the business world? They'll do anything it takes to gain success. They'll destroy the life of their closest friend, They'll destroy the life of their family because their desire for success is so great that they're willing to do anything they can to get it. Our desire for acceptance, which everybody in here, whether you'll admit it or not, wants to be accepted. And our desire for acceptance will tempt us to surrender our integrity so that others will like us. 
We'll become a chameleon. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to fit in with the crowd. We'll change the way we talk. We'll change the way we act. We'll change the way we dress. We'll, we'll change the things we do. And we sacrifice our integrity just to be accepted, not realizing that a good name, the Bible says, should be desired over jewelry, over money, over power, a good name, our integrity. It's not worth laying down our integrity on the altar of being accepted. See, God actually offers real acceptance. He says, come all who will. Come as you are. You don't have to fix yourself. That's what's wonderful about God. You don't have to fix yourself before you come to him. You come to him exactly how you are. But the enemy perverts it and he shows you and he tries to lie to you and say, no one loves you. No one will accept you. You've got to change. You've got to do this. You've got to morph to fit in with the crowd. God says, I will show you the path to life. But temptation tries to bypass the promise or that life with the promise of a quicker route. I'll show you a shortcut. And we all, as human beings, we love the shortcut. You know, seven-minute abs is too much. That's why we want six-minute abs. You know, going on a diet is too hard. So what I want is the magic pill. And if I can just take this magic pill, what, what we're doing is we want what's quick. We want what we want. We want it now. We've got this fast food mentality and we're trying to speed up the process of what we want to get it. Not realizing that the path of life is a process that we go through, which actually leads to life, but it is a process. Somebody say it's a process. And you can try to bit bypass that process, but your end result will be completely different than what God has prepared for you. Does that make sense to you? Are y'all with me so far? So I want to break this down and let's look at how temptation works. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Now here's a key right here. Verse 14 is important. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So that means what tempts you may not tempt me. What tempts me may not tempt you. I was thinking about this as I was preparing, like if my wife and I were to go on a diet, which isn't going to happen. But if my wife and I were to go on a diet and we were going to, you know, clean up the way we eat, again, this is all hypothetical, <laughs> not going to happen. So we're, we're eating clean. We're eating, we're eating good stuff. We're drinking only water. If you came in and wanted to tempt us to break our diet, you would have to do it very different. For my wife, if you make a chocolate lava cake and you place it in front of her, she will do almost anything within her power to eat that chocolate lava cake. She loves chocolate lava cake. We will go on a cruise with Carnival Cruise Line just because they have chocolate lava cake and she loves chocolate lava cake. However, for myself, I'm not tempted by chocolate lava cake. 
it's not that it's bad, I'm just not drawn to it. So if you want to tempt me to come off my diet, you've got to come at it a very different way. Why? Because we are all tempted in different ways. That's why we should never judge someone when they fail or fall to temptation. By saying, well, I would have never done that. Well, see, that's just because the right thing hasn't walked your way yet. Does that make sense? And you're looking at them going, I can't believe they did that just because that doesn't push your buttons. But see, the enemy, what, what he, remember, he, he's, he's, he's crafty. What he does is he comes to you with what you desire. So he's not going to come at me with chocolate lava cake. He's going to come at me with a pecan pie. A la mode. So we have to understand, that's, that's the first thing that we have to understand is he has studied you, he knows you, and he knows what's going to push your buttons. And as we talk about temptation today, I, I, I really want everybody to focus in because each is tempted. And sometimes when we talk about temptation, some people's minds shut off because they think we're talking about sex. They think we're talking about sexual perversion and, and some people go, well, you know, I'm just not, te- I'm not tempted. I'm not tempted like that. But what about your temptation to gossip? What about your temptation to not tell the truth? What about your temptation to stick your nose in other people's business? What about your temptation for greed? To live with your hands closed because you want what you want and you have no generosity to release to help others? No generosity to advance the kingdom? Am I, am I, am I talking to anybody this morning? You have the temptation to live a selfish life. You're tempted to judge others, which we've gotten really good at in the church. And we disguise it as intercessory prayer. (laughs) Kelly, the other day, I saw Amanda and she was doing this and that and the other thing. And I'm sure that her, her husband doesn't know what she was doing. And what I think we just need to pray for her. We need to pray for her. God, I just thank you that I'm not Amanda. (laughs) Lord, in your goodness and your mercy, you created me to not do those things. (laughs) And Lord, we know that you see y'all and we know that you're very disappointed with her lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? And we do that. And we, we think we're being holy, but really we're just gossiping. We're slandering. We're sticking our nose where it doesn't belong. We judge others. Sometimes we're tempted to live in fear. And right now, I know some of you are going, well, that's not that big of a deal, Pastor. Let's get back on the perverted mind, people. (laughs) That's where the real sin's happening. (laughs) But if you believe that, then you've bitten into the deception. Because I could put together a very strong biblical case everything that I just named is not of God, it's evil and it is sin so don't judge other peoples based upon how they sin 
or based upon what tempts them. We need to start looking at our own self. The Bible talks about, hey, why are you worried about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you've got a beam sticking out of your face? You know what you need to do? You need to deal with that beam first. You need to surrender your life to God. Say, God, I need your help because I've got this beam coming out of my head. I don't know how to fix it. I need your mercy. We need to start personalizing it. I need mercy. I am a sinner. I need grace. I need help. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And once we get help, then we can, from a spiritual place, help others. And when we help others from a spiritual place, it's not judging. Because the Bible says, I believe it's Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse one, you can read it on your own. When you find a brother or a sister that has fallen, they've, they've bitten into the temptation that the enemy has put before them. When you see that they fall, if you're spiritual, you know what you do? You restore them. You don't talk bad about them. You don't put them down. You don't make them feel less about themselves so that you can feel better about yourself. You don't highlight their sin so that you can hide your hidden sin. You restore them. You stand with them. And I want a church full of people that will stand with one another because we need that. We really need that. You know, the men met today uh, before service and we, we had coffee and donuts and we had, we had a, a time of prayer together. But I was thinking about how valuable it is, Bob, for the men to come together so that we have one another in these times when we are tempted. And it doesn't mean I have to come and give all the details because you do have to be careful with that. But I do need some people that I can come to that I trust that I can say, hey, I'm really dealing with some stuff. The enemy's coming at me hard in a certain area and I could, I, I could use your help. I could use your prayer and trust that they will pray for me and encourage me and not talk about me behind my back. That's dangerous. Read it, Galatians 6.1. You gotta be careful because those temptations that got them will come after you and take you down. So we need, we need people within the body of Christ who can stand with us. Alan, we need people. And, and we shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that, that we miss it because we're, none of us are perfect. We've gotten really good at putting on a mask in the church and acting like I've got it all together. But the truth is every single person in this place has weakness. Every single person in this place can fail and we need Jesus and we need each other and we don't need to be ashamed of the things that we've done in our life we need to understand it's just a part of our human nature it's a part of our flesh and if I can find some people that will stand with me again doesn't mean I'm giving them all the details now, there may be some people that you have a, a relationship with that you trust, like Randy over there. I know I can trust Randy. I can come to Randy. I can spill my guts to Randy, and I know that he will not judge me, and he will not change the way he views me because we've developed that kind of relationship. But there are people, maybe you can't fully expose yourself to them, but you can come to them and say, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need help. 
And when they do, we should honestly, sincerely pray for them and we should encourage them and let them know, hey, everything's gonna be okay. You can make it. This isn't the end. Keep your head up. God loves you. He doesn't judge you. He loves you. And if you feel judged, that is the enemy. That is the enemy. Trying to tell you that you'll never make it, that you'll never be good enough. You'll always fail. You'll always fall to temptation. And you need to say, greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. I am built for victory. And the enemy is under my feet. And that's where he needs to stay. Or are y'all getting something from this today? So we don't need to judge people based upon how they are tempted. Because when it comes to our lives, the enemy knows how to tempt each of us in our own unique way. And he knows how to push your buttons. And listen, he will push and push and push and push until you either take the bait or you learn how to resist. Are you getting that? He will keep on pushing until you either take the bait or you learn how to resist. And let me give you a little bit of information this morning that will be valuable to you. There will be no part of your Christian journey in this flesh suit that you're wearing that temptation will stop. You will never reach a level in God where temptation will stop trying to come at you won't happen but you can get to a point where you are strong enough to resist it when it comes if you have children how many of you have kids in here you remember when they were little you know they're always mama 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 daddy 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 and it's so much that there gets to be a point in time to where you actually can learn how to tune out all the noise do y'all know what i'm talking about like people that don't have kids, you take your kids to a restaurant and people that don't have kids, they're just like, they can't even eat their taco because they're so worried about all the noise your kids are making. And you're, you're just sitting there in bliss, like shoving a burrito, a chimichanga in your mouth. Like you don't even realize what's going on because you've learned to tune it out. Doesn't mean it's not there. So I believe that we can get to a place in God and we can be so filled with his spirit that the temptation is still making a lot of noise, but it's not. It's not bothering us because I'm so fixated on the chimichanga. Praise God for chimichangas. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the message, but I just feel anointed to talk about chimichangas. Several years ago, Randy and I went to a place called Rio Bravo, and they had an all-you-can-eat chimichanga type scenario set up. And so we, thought, we, we felt like we were called of God to, uh, to do the chimichanga challenge that day. <laughs> And so they brought these chimichangas. There was all different kinds. They had, you know, beef chimichanga, chicken chimichanga, pork chimichanga. And they lay out this platter of all these different chimichangas. And we sat there and we destroyed them. And then you know what our reward was for accomplishing that goal? A chocolate chimichanga. <laughs> a la mode. But that, I think that's a valuable, that's something valuable that we can take hold of this morning that if I can be so fixated on the promises of God and the goodness of God and the life that he has for me and the good things that he has not only for my future but the good things he has for my now, then I'm not going to bypass his goodness for temporary satisfaction. Because I know what he has for me is so much better 
than what I can get a hold of now. Because the, the counterfeit, it may feel good for a moment. It may feel good. It does. It does. If you say it doesn't, you don't know what you're talking about. The counterfeit feels good for a moment, but it never lasts. And you've got to keep on going back to that counterfeit source over and over and over and over. And the more you go back to it, the more it drains you. The more you go back to it, the more it alters who you really are. So I've got to, I've got to learn how to fix my eyes on the promise. So much so that I drown out the distractions. But each person, the Bible says, is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So get that. Each person is tempted. I'm, I'm wanting to slow you down to the speed of the text. Because sometimes we read through these verses so fast that we miss what's happening. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire. Here's the process. This is how temptation works. It lures you, then it causes you to desire it, and when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. See, people think like just because you're tempted to do it, you've already sinned. But temptation is not sin. We know this because the Bible says... <laughs> Someone's hair just fell off my shirt. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are, yet what? Without sin. So temptation is not the sin. The sin happens when we begin to meditate on the temptation, and that meditation develops a desire. And the more we look at it, the more we desire it, then we end up taking hold of it. That's the danger of the temptation. I remember years ago, I was on a dock and I was fishing. When I looked down, those little fishies were swimming right around the dock. You could see them. And so I just took my line and dropped it in there with the bait that was on it. And I watched all these, these fish, you know, start turning their heads. They come in, they start checking it out. I'm watching them. I'm able to see them do it. And they'll come up and they'll bump the bait. They'll come up and bump it. They look at it, and the more that they look at it, the more that they bump it, the more that they play with it, the more enticed they are by it. Until what happens? They finally take a bite. That's when the hook's set. That's exactly how temptation works. It comes at you in a form that you will desire. It gets you to look at it, and the longer you look at it, you begin to contemplate it. You begin to meditate on it. You begin to desire it. That's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Go back and read the story. Satan didn't come and shove the fruit down their throat. He didn't have to. All he had to do is get them to look at it. And as they started looking at the fruit, they started going, hmm, that does look good. I bet that tastes good. And the more they thought about how good that fruit would be, the more they desired it until what happened? They finally took a bite. That's how temptation works. He gets you to look at it and look at it and look at it until you finally desire it and take a bite. So here's the question. If we're all tempted, which I think we've already laid the groundwork for the fact that we are all tempted in some form, then how do we deal with it so that we can shut it down? And I'm going to try to go through this very quick because our, our time is getting away. 
But 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, verse 1 through 5, we're going to look at a story of King David. And I want to learn from his mistakes. You know, we need to learn how to learn from not just people's success, but also from their mistakes and failures. If we'll examine the people that have gone before us and see where they missed it, it'll help us in the future by avoiding the same trap that they fell into. Does that make sense? So David here, the Bible says, 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 through 5, in the spring of the year, the time came when kings go out to battle. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem, and it happened. Somebody say, it happened. It always, it always will. It always happened. And it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. Somebody said, uh-oh. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, guess what, bro? I'm pregnant. This sets off a chain of events. David starts a cover-up. Because he knows about nine months, a baby's going to appear. And her husband's going to be like, I wasn't home. How did this happen? Was it an immaculate conception? So David starts covering it up. He's lying. He's manipulating. Finally, when none of that stuff works, he ends up murdering her husband. Get that. And it all started because he saw, then he inquired, then he sent for her, then he laid with her, and then she conceived. Are you seeing the process? So the first thing, if we're going to battle temptation, we have to first of all, we have to stay dressed for battle. Somebody say, stay dressed for battle. See, this is the time. The Bible says this is the time when kings go out to war. So where should David have been? He should have been at war. He should have been dressed for battle. But he's not. He's at home and he lets his guard down. Why? Because the enemy's out there. And that's our first mistake. We think that the enemy's out there not realizing that there's an enemy in here. And so I've always got to be on my guard. I've always got to be dressed for battle. I've got to be prayed up and ready so that when the temptation comes, I'm strong enough to fight it because you never want to deal with an enemy when you're tired. When you are tired, you are very vulnerable to what the enemy's about to bring. You know why so many people fail in life is because they get burned out. They get tired. And when they get burned out, they get tired. They're no longer dressed for battle. They're just at home chilling on their couch and the enemy comes in. Crafty. And starts throwing out all these temptations. So we've got to stay ready. How do we do that? We've got to stay prayed up. 
The best thing you can do in the morning is start your morning with the word of God and prayer. Getting yourself ready. God, fill me with your word. Let your word be hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Let your word be on my mouth so that when I speak, I speak things that will bless my life and not curse my life. Are you seeing that? That will strengthen you. So you've got to stay ready for battle. Somebody say stay ready for battle. Because there's a battle here. There's a fight. And it's real. And he doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair. He'll try to find you when you're down. And if he can't find you when you're down, he'll find one of your relatives when they're down and he'll use them as an instrument to come in and nah, 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 nah. You gotta be ready for that. You have to understand that we are fighting a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And the only way you can deal with a spiritual battle is to be spiritually ready. I don't care how many guns you got, ain't going to do nothing to the devil. Well, I'm prepared, brother. I got my bunker. <laughs> Your bunker ain't going to stop the devil or spiritual warfare. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready to fight. And the more you pray, the more you get into his word, the more you worship, the more prepared and ready you are. The second thing that we see with David is he's out of position. He's not where he should have been. And when we get out of position, it positions us for the temptation. So what are we going to do? We've got to change our position. Somebody say change our position. So I'm ready. I'm ready for the battle. I'm dressed. I'm ready. Got my armor on. But now here comes the temptation. Right? Standing right in front of me. Tommy, come here. Tommy's, the tempta Tommy's my temptation. <laughs> what are you going to do? So Tommy's the temptation. So here I am. I'm going about my day. I prayed up. I've worshiped. I've read scripture. But temptation's still going to come. I leave my house and, hello, there's temptation. Now, as long as I am positioned to stare at my temptation, I'm setting myself up for failure. Because the more I look at it, <laughs> is he on camera? I hope he's on camera. Because the more I look at it, the more I want it. The more I want it, <laughs> the more I desire it. And it makes me blush. <laughs> Are you seeing this? And we want to. We want to. There is a part of us that when we see a temptation, we want to stare at it. But what I've got to do is I've got to learn to change my position. I, I can't continue to look at the thing that tempts me because if I look at it long enough, I'm, I'm going to get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you've got a problem, thank you, Tommy. I'm just going to generalize this and make it very simple for everybody in here, okay? If you've got a problem with ice cream, you can't hang out at the Baskin Robbins staring at all the 31 flavors. Because if you stay there long enough, I mean, you may go there one day, look at the 31 flavors and be like, greater is he that's within me. And, but I promise you, you go back to that Baskin Robbins enough and you stare at them 31 flavors, you're gonna find yourself with a double scoop and a waffle cone. So you can't think that you're so strong 
that you can go and stare at your temptation. You've got to learn to change your position. Now, let's remove it from ice cream. What is it that drives you? What is it that drives you? You've got to stop looking at it. I've got to change my position and I've got to shift my focus. You know, the story of Joseph, when Potiphar's wife comes on to him, he doesn't sit there and think about it and entertain it. He doesn't start to talk to her about, you know what, no one would ever know. He runs. He runs. That's what we got to do. We got to understand we are weak, we are feeble, and we need to run in the opposite direction. We need to remove ourselves as far away from what tempts us as possible. We've got to shift our focus because you will head in the direction of your greatest focus. You will head in the direction of your greatest focus. So if there are things that drive you, if there are things that tempt you, then you need to get rid of all of those things. And if it means filling your time with something better, you need to do it. If it means eating so much yogurt that you don't want ice cream, you need to do it. You need to fill yourself so much with the word of God that you are transformed by it and the things that you used to desire you no longer look at because the spirit of God inside of you. Are you getting anything from this? You can't play with this. Temptation is deadly. It is not your friend. You can't look at it. You can't entertain it. You've gotta be ready for it and you've gotta shift your position You've got to change your focus. You've got to feed yourself with the good things of God. I mean, do whatever it takes. If your problem is your computer, get rid of it and start sending people notes in the mail. If your problem is Facebook, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know, (laughs) Facebook's one of those things, man, there's so much just garbage on there. And... It would, like, I would get on Facebook and I would get angry. And I started thinking to myself, like, this isn't, this isn't healthy. So you know what I did? This is something, man. There's these little icons on your phone. You can hold it and you can move it, like, really far away so it's not there on your home screen. Or you can even hit the little X and delete it. I moved it to where it was no longer the first thing I saw when I opened up my phone in the morning. And what I try to do is I try to get into the Word of God. And when I check Facebook now, I try to only check it for the notifications to see what's going on with the church people and not scroll through and see all the mess that's on there. There's also a really cool function where you can hide people. You don't even have to, you don't even have to delete them. They'll still think you're friends. You're hidden. Listen, I want to close with this. I've already said it. Temptation is never going to stop. But the good news is you don't have to fight alone. You're not in a battle by yourself. Not only has God given you a people, a church to belong to where we can fight together and we can pray for one another and we can care for one another, we can build one another up, but the Spirit of God himself lives inside of you. And you can come to him in your weak moments and you can get raw and you can get honest and you can tell him things that you couldn't tell anyone else. And he's not like, oh, I can't believe you're thinking that. But I can get real with him and I can say, God, I, I can't do this on my own. 
I need mercy, I need help, I need strength, and he will give it to you. Last week, we talked about wisdom. The reason wisdom is placed right there in between the trials and the temptation in James is he's trying to show us that when we lack wisdom for our trials and we lack wisdom for what's tempting us, we can come to God and ask for wisdom. And he gives it to us generously. It is a fight. It is a fight. But it's a fight that you were built to win. I believe that we can be different than everyone else. I believe that we can be different than the generations that have come before us. I believe that we can be a people of integrity. I believe that we can be a people who, when we speak, we speak truth and not lies. I believe that we can be a people that actually loves one another, not just in word, but actually in deed, where we actually truly care about each other because that's what God has called us to be. We're called to be a body of believers, members joined to one another, there to help, there to strengthen, there to encourage. Right now, for those of you who are watching online, I want to say a prayer for you. And God, I ask that you would strengthen them in their innermost being. Lord, as they begin to shift their eyes to you, God, I'm asking that you would begin to build them up. As they begin to pray, Lord, I ask that you would build them up in their most holy faith. Lord, as they begin to get your word inside of them, Father, we ask that you would give them the strength, the courage, and the wisdom they need to fight every battle that comes their way. I declare that you are more than a conqueror. I declare that you are built to win. So Father, help them right now. In the name of Jesus, amen.